Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. This is episode 21 of Dying for Life. My name is Neve, and I'm sitting down with coach Aaron Horan. Myself and Aaron chat all about mindset and growth. We get into our past traumas and how they show up in our adult life, but more importantly, how they shape us as people in the long term, only if we allow them to. We also talk about relationships and the importance of getting that first day conversation right from the get-go. Welcome to Dying for Life. Start living. But it's still relevant though. Even what you posted, was it today or yesterday? About the chocolate. The top of the week bar Come here, I, I, I shit you not and I probably should say this on my story. I had to make that reel, that video about like, I'd say probably 15, 20 times. Stop. So I actually ended up having four or five triangles to the top of Because I finished one, ate it, and then looked back at the video and wasn't happy with it. Now that's content. <laughs> yeah. Give me that video. I know, I know, I know. So you weren't happy with the way you were eating it? Like? No, I wasn't happy with the content, the way I delivered it. Right, okay. And then I was like, fuck, I have to go back and do that again. So it means I'm going to have to take out another <laughs> You could have bit it and spit it out now, Aaron. No, listen. Absolutely, it was fucking lovely. <laughs> Let's just get going because we'll never get going. Um, Dan's gonna slag me now. Thanks for coming in. Um, thanks for coming on. I wanted to chat to you after I listened to Laura Marie's podcast with you. Um, because I had only known you from the gym. Um, and obviously, like, no one's gonna get into anyone's backstory and whatever. Um, passing on the gym floor but I really wanted to talk to you because I just thought it was so interesting where you came from your childhood and then how that showed up for you into adulthood and when you kind of got started on your career and how that trauma started to show up and rear its head and how you dealt with that so first of all before we get into all that stuff will you give us a little intro into who Aaron Horan is? I will indeed, I suppose. Um, firstly, thanks very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And funnily enough, I was only talking to my mentor about this earlier. I just find it so crazy how people like you and like Laura like actually want to listen to just a, a little kid from Ballymun who had some family issues. And I just know you're from Ballymun. Yeah, not that many people actually do, but I am. <laughs> not that that makes didn't a difference. Didn't live like... there for long. <laughs> didn't, I didn't rob any runners either. <laughs> I promise. Maybe one pair. <laughs> um, so who am I? I suppose I'm Aaron Horn. I'm a I'm an online fitness coach, but I believe what I do is far beyond that. And the reason because of that is ultimately fitness was a gateway to change my life, but actually digging deep into my childhood and the past experiences and the, I suppose the stories um, that I built around and about myself from my childhood was ultimately the biggest game changer for me. So I include so much more than just physical training in my, in, in my program. And that's exactly why I coach the way I do. It's not for everyone, but that's okay. It's interesting though, because I find... And a lot of people probably find this when they start to do personal training is that 
like Tan was messing with you earlier on saying, you know, oh yeah, I'm a counsellor as well. You know, it's mm. part of one of my services because a, a lot of trauma and stuff like that will actually start to come up when you start training physically and eating well and looking after your life in general and becoming aware of like your sleep, your everything. Because it happened for me, a lot of stuff came up um, when I started to train with Laura um, at the time. So it's interesting that, that you say that. 100% because ultimately the reason why most people get into wanting to change themselves physically is through some sort of insecurity or some sort of, you know, um, insecurity is the best word. There's no other way yeah. to put it. You know, I got into training. I wanted to get big. I wanted to build muscle. Ultimately, for a couple of reasons. One, so I could impress other people. Two, because I was not physically bullied in school, but I was, you know, there was obviously jokes thrown. And at the time, it's, it's you know, it seems like and all the lads think it's good crack and all this stuff. But what, and I suppose specifically lads don't realise, is that stuff can stick with you. Um, you know, so I would have had like specific nicknames, etc. And that stuff would have really stuck with me. And that would have been built up a lot of insecurities around me, how I looked and how I felt about myself then because of that. And not even how I looked, but actually how I thought I looked. Mm. If that makes sense. Because yeah, of, you're most of the time, image. Yeah, most of the time what you see in the mirror doesn't match what's in your head. Mm. You know, and you believe you should look a it's certain way. a story way. that you've told yourself or a story that people have told you that you've started to believe. Exactly. Kids are bastards as well, like, let's be honest. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> now, listen, I was a bastard. Yeah, I like, was. I have a seven-year-old, don't get me wrong, like, but, and you do sort of jump to their defence when you hear people in school, oh, so-and-so called me this, or that, and you're like, little bastards, like, they're all little bastards. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. They, they really, really are. And again, I was, I was no better. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm sure my kid isn't either, like, you know. Mm. <laughs> Ultimately, it's all a defense, I think, a defensive coping mechanism, um, yeah. if that's the right way to put it, you know, to maybe project your own fears or insecurities on other people. And ultimately, I believe that's why people do. Like, in fairness, I suppose when I got on, got onto that destructive path that we'll get into, I would have very much been that person who would have, you know, the one-liners and I gave everyone absolute stick. But I was only reflecting on others what I probably hated about myself. Mm. You know, which is uh, which is kind of weird and scary when you think about it. You're like, shit, everything I'm saying to everyone else is just a reflection of me and what I see in myself. And for me, when I got to that realization, I was like, whoa, I was like, there's a lot of work I need to do here. And obviously that stems, as you said, from my childhood. Yeah. So growing up, um, I'm not going to say like I had it difficult or it was disadvantaged or anything like that, but ultimately my, both my parents were uh, were drug, drug addicts, heavy drug addicts, um, to the point of like, I actually don't think I've ever publicly said this before, but I would like walk into the, into the sitting room and they'd just be both absolutely elve on the sofa. And I'd be like rooting the presses for anything I could find to eat. Like, yeah, but you say that's not traumatic, but like your basic need, like I know you're, you're, you, you've minimized it a little bit. Yeah. But your basic need, like one of your basic safety. needs, human needs, wasn't met. Yeah. No, safety, of course. nourishment, like, yeah. you know, food. No, absolutely safety, 100%. <clears throat> it's funny, I, me, me nanny was only telling, was only talking to me about this 
uh, with Ashley, I think it was only last week, and she was like, do you remember you used to get up onto the onto the counter and uh, have your sugar on bread sandwiches? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, yeah. I literally used to have that for dinner, like just because it, like, unfortunately, you know, they got themselves into a very, very bad place. Um, and yeah, obviously, look, that had a, a big impact on me. Now, don't get me wrong, when they were, they were, they were, I'm not going to say they were brilliant and they weren't brilliant. They'd done their best with kind of what they had, but the drugs had to hold them. Yeah, you know, it was there's, their There's voice. no getting away with that or there's no getting away from that, that that was just a matter of the fact that mm-hmm. it was they were gone too far. It was, it was too deep, you know. Um, but ultimately it got to a stage when I was, I can't remember exactly what age I was, but I can tell you exactly what happened that day. Like I can literally walk you through that day step by step from the moment I wake up to literally the moment I lay my head down the pillow and I think I think I was about six mm-hmm. maybe seven seven at the la- at the oldest <clears throat> um, <clears throat> my, my dad was huge into pool and snooker like he was unbelievable and then I remember for whatever Christmas it was previous me the sixth or seventh um, they had got me a pool table uh, like a little mini field table or whatever and I used to, used to play on it all day and it was either football or pill but I'd always play him and I just remember um, my mom came in and I don't know looking back now I kind of I suppose there was signs and I was noticing weird things like in terms of my mom kind of not being in the flat as much um, you know just little things like that when I when I kind of think about it now and when I talk about it but yeah, I was playing pool with my dad and I was just like, right, I'm going to go get the shop and Aaron, do you want to come with me? And I was like, yeah, no problem. Of course, you know. And uh, we didn't go get the shopping. She brought me to the park. She was like, look, we're going to go to the park. We're going to go meet my friend. And we obviously went and she was like, this is X. And she was like, this is Aaron. And, you know, we had a big game of football. I obviously I had no idea. I was like six, seven max. I had no idea what was going on. And then, uh, yeah, that night then, obviously went went to sleep. But then uh, the... I, I just woke up, I think it was like a couple of days later, and my dad was just like, she's not coming back. Oh. And uh, yeah, look, it, it is what it is. Um, I know, that that was the part for me on Laura's. Maybe it's because I have a kid the same age, do you know, that yeah. for me, yeah, it was just so heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, And that really got me, like. Mm. um, And then, yeah, for, yeah, I suppose I could relate, like, when you were talking about then how that showed up for you later in life, maybe as a people pleaser and that kind of thing, I was like, God, you know, obviously, you know, that's from childhood. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. Like it was from obviously the one person who was supposed to love, care and nourish it and, you know, keep you safe, all these sort of stuff. Like one, just one day, like she was gone. And um, for, so then for me, through teenage and adulthood and stuff like that and as well then kind of obviously I experienced that through like school and stuff like that and in fairness in primary school I was really really good Um, secondary school different kettle of fish altogether started to become a bit of one of the boys you know started to kind of show off and impress people and give cheek back to teachers all that sort of stuff but obviously started to go where you were getting the attention maybe well all I wanted was attention love Mm -hmm. and like a feeling of like safety, mm. you know, and obviously at the time I wasn't really aware of that, but we're never really, I suppose, well, until we build the self-awareness, 
you're always meeting your needs yeah. one way or another, be it through a destructive behavior mm-hmm. or an empowering behavior, you know? Um, so for me, wanting to create a sense of belonging, love, connection, safety, all of these things, I just started to try and get everyone to like me. Mm. Like literally, I could walk, I, I, I'd go to a festival and I would be the person doing, you know, the warm or the slug or whatever. Now, granted, whatever, it's a bit of crack at the time and stuff like that. But for me, there was a reason why I was doing it. Yeah, and most of us do until, most of us will get into that pattern until we unravel it, until we actually yeah. realise that it's a behaviour or an unmet need or something that is destructive to ourselves until we actually unravel it. You know, we all have different attachment styles and where do those attachment styles come from? Childhood. Exactly. You know, so. Everything is built from childhood. Mm. Like absolutely everything because we don't fear anything. We've no idea what failure is. Mm. We've no idea what success is. We've no idea what we're going to do with our lives. But all we know is what we want to do. You know, mm. and we'll do that continuously until it's frowned upon. When it's frowned upon, then we'll associate that with not receiving love. So we'll just stop doing it. And then we'll think to ourselves, well, what do I need to do to receive love here? It's like conditional versus unconditional. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like it's like a kid just loves to dance and loves to perform. And he's in the house all the time performing, dancing. And then, you know, an Im- impatient or we, we call it impatient a parent or, you know, a parent with like a, a short fuse or whatever might just turn around and be like, would you ever stop that? Mm. And like straight away as a child, you just associate that with, okay, if I keep dancing, these aren't going to love me anymore. Yeah. So I'm just not going to do it. And that's where we lose a lot of like play, that, mm-hmm. that, that side of us that really has fun really expresses yeah, that's ourselves where we lose, that's where we lose it as adults because yeah, we exactly. become conditioned as well we like, become conditioned know. 100% and again if we do this thing we believe it's going to be frowned upon and what do we all want in life is to be accepted mm. is to fit in yeah. so that's why in society these days it's it's not it's not so hard to stand out but it's so weird to stand out mm. and of course of course it's weird but that's why people find it so difficult to stand out because ultimately that's a need that you have and you have to be willing to try and understand why standing out is actually going to benefit you as to why you just think you want to do it. Do you know what I mean? So like your vision or your mission or what you really want from your life and getting very, very clear on that. Mm -hmm. You have to be super clear on that to be willing to stand out because I remember a coach telling me a couple of months ago and I'll never forget it. He was like, to be a life changer to some, you have to be an absolute joke to others. Yeah. And I was like, that's so true. I was like, if I'm trying to give a message to everyone, nobody's going to pick up on it. No. You know? Um, and that was the thing. So true that kind of teenage and young adulthood and, you know, that destructive path of, we'll call it 10 years, say, that was ultimately what I was doing. I was trying to meet the needs of everybody and I was meeting the needs of nobody. Um, and I definitely, not even yourself yeah not even myself mm. obviously in a destructive way I was meeting do you know what I mean but I was only ever like again yeah destroying the relationship I had with myself through wanting to impress others or make other people laugh but I was trying to fit in with like so many different people that I only fitted in while I was a certain person Yeah. and if I became anyone different I didn't fit in there anymore so I had like Jesus Christ I had like probably 20 different personalities 
Mm-hmm. But because you were doing what served you at the time. Yeah, w- w- what served me at the what time was keeping you safe. Depending on what group I was in, depending on what setting we were in, depending on what the environment was, yeah. I was just adapting to that. Now, again, that being adaptable can be important at times, mm. I believe. But being adaptable and also being authentic is very, very different. Very different. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like, you were adapting almost <clears throat> to feel safe. I was adapting, in your environment. I was adapting, adapting through fear. Mm. You know, fear of, again, not being accepted, yeah. not being loved, not being, and not having that sense of connection. Um, and obviously that was all I wanted because, again, you know, the one person that was supposed to give me all of those things mm. just didn't give them to me. You know, it's as simple as that. And like, I suppose, yeah, I know, obviously when you kind of heard that, you're like, oh shit. And like, sometimes I do, I'm like, oh shit. But funnily enough, right, I've, I've told nobody this. Literally nobody. Um, I thought I think I told Ashley. And this is hard. Um, after the marathon, I was on such a high, like such a high. So after half marathon, I haven't spoken to my mother that in like years. Yeah, I mean years. My father, unfortunately, is just really difficult to speak to because he's so bitter and he's so caught in the past, and he just brings up shit that not that I don't want to hear, but I'm just not willing to listen to. Um, my ma then there's just there's still a shitload of insecurity there there's still a shitload of insecurity there and there's still a shitload that needs to be worked through but so after the half marathon I rang my dad because I was on such a high because he used to be a runner and I was no like way. yeah I was like look what I've done <clears throat> uh, and funny enough he was like what time did you do it and I was like yeah and he was like oh i done it in this time and I was like you fucking dickhead oh, excuse the language yeah. I was like you absolute arse do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's how kind of like caught in the past he was still well done all that sort of stuff but he was like hanging his hat on his achievements Mm. I was like really I was like mm. obviously I ring you to talk to you and you know ask you about running and I'll talk about running and all this sort of stuff because I know you've done he's done them all and he was really really good but I didn't need to know that you beat my time yeah do you know what I mean my first ever half man look whatever you were ringing it to just share it with him and <clears throat> yeah mm. yeah yeah and I want and in fairness um, a couple of weeks beforehand one of my good friends father passed unfortunately um, suddenly and to be honest I was absolutely shin because I had no idea whether my dad was alive or dead. Mm. I genuinely haven't. That, that's been an unknown thing for me for months. Mm. So after half marathon, I was on such a high. Part of the call was to see who was alive. Wow. It was fucking mad. It was crazy. Scary. That, that funeral opened my eyes. I was like, whoa. I was like, as hard as he is to listen to. I just, I want to know he's alive. Mm. Um, but after Martin, my, my ma had been messaging me a couple of, at uh, times like she does she does message me like you know but there's kind of just open and seeing and all that sort of stuff because yeah. it's still there's still some stuff there but I'm I'm way more equipped now I'm, I'm I'm so not driven but I'm so driven by my purpose and what's ahead but I've always known her and um, this was the first time I probably ever thought about this and then actually said it and I've always known her and I was like listen I actually want to tell you something he says, I actually massively respect you walking out when I was younger. I was like, yeah, I wouldn't be here if it was if if you hadn't walked out that day. I says, you could have stayed in a relationship that you didn't want to stay in. And I don't know where I'd be right now. Because ultimately I would probably still be eating sugar and bread. I would still be fucking, I don't know. <clears throat> I have no idea. I've genuinely, absolutely no idea. But I voiced not. And I was like, thank you so much for doing that. Wow. So it went from like me obviously resenting her, hating her, 
And I, I never said that I did, but obviously a part of me deep down did. Do you know mm. what I mean? I would never tell, like, at any stage yeah, of my life. Yeah, because it was an abandonment wound. Exactly. And at no stage of my life did I actually hate her. Obviously a part of me just really hated what she did. Mm. Yeah, I suppose because when you look at it yourself, you were thinking, how how could I do that to someone or how could I do that to a child? Well, You know, she left you in the situation, whereas... What I also came to understand was she didn't do it to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, if someone walks out of our life, we start to kind of question what's wrong with me, what what am I do- what's not good enough about me. And yeah. again, there was all those feelings and emotions that came up for me, like I'm not good enough, you know, people don't love me, all this connection, all that sort of stuff. But it's not about you. It's n- Exactly. It's not about, it wasn't about me. And I when I came to that realisation, I was like, whoa. I was mm. like, that is so crazy. Like she didn't walk out on me. She didn't walk out because of me. She walked out just because she wasn't willing to put up with obviously the shit that was going on because it was bad, like. But also because she want, and, and actually, in fairness, she actually texted me back. She was like, I knew something good would happen to you. She oh. goes, I knew I couldn't give you the life that your nanny gave you. Because ultimately my nanny obviously came in, intervened. Me, my father wasn't fit to look after me, unfortunately. Um, and that was your mom's <clears throat> mom? No, me. Your my father's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so she came in, intervened. And um, yeah, my life kind of changed there, there, you know, ever since now, of course. I lived with her and I suppose a part of me not didn't like the relationship but didn't, uh, a part of me couldn't allow her to be a mother figure because she wasn't my mother. I'm putting inverted commas for any people that can't see Yeah, and also maybe because you were afraid. Exactly. You know, because the person who was supposed to be your mother had left. So maybe you were afraid to, to let her... Yeah, close. Let her really in. Let her in, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And kept her at a distance so that if she did walk away or, or she wasn't permanent, then you didn't have I wouldn't, to feel I wouldn't, it. I wouldn't have to feel it again. Yeah, exactly. It was like that. That's exactly it. You know, it was the worst feeling in the world. And I ultimately protected myself from ever feeling it again. And that's again, obviously, in kind of Laura's podcast, that was what happened then when mm. we, we forced our relationship. It was like that finished. And I was like, Whoa, I'm back here again, like six mm. year old Aaron. This is the hardest thing ever. The abandonment. Yeah, literally. And as I said before, we actually start recording. I partied for like a solid three years. Mm. Like, I mean, solid three years. <laughs> I have some funny stories. I have some like, like, I mean, incredibly funny stories. But yeah, it wasn't a good yeah, time. Yeah, and we were talking about maybe how often men can deal with things in a way where they just kind of run from the problem and just mask it with like that partying and drugs and 100%. whatever else whereas women tend more to kind of I think sit down and deal with the problem and move on from it quicker 100% mm. yeah no I, I completely agree with that the The first thing we want to do that's is, obviously a big generalisation now but I would no I would say for 99% that's mm. you know that's fairly true that's fairly bang on even maybe 95% to just give some lads a little bit of leeway out there <laughs> <laughs> sorry if you're listening to this and you know you've kind of dealt with your shit head on but no for the majority 1 million percent look I I grew up around it yeah I you know everyone that was in my social circles we were all on destructive paths we were all running from insecurities we all had 
whatever issues and we all had shit that was going on and ultimately nobody is you're just not willing to face it you know and actually I remember me saying that she was like I like there's a reason I've gotten not over this but the reason I'm kind of moving on from this quicker than you I, I decided to to actually just sit with it and and you know um just recognize it mm. you know and and actually feel it because ultimately you know there's no positive without a negative there's no good without the bad there's no up without down so you have to like feel everything and you have to experience everything to just get used to it because the more you try to run from it that problem is literally never going away like as much as I tried to run from that it never went away mm. ever like no no relationship ever solved it solved it no friendship ever solved it nothing yeah. absolutely nothing solved the problem that I was running from and it was Again, I was I was very almost unaware of it. It was an unmet need, um, and you'll meet your way. You'll meet your needs in one way or another. Trust me. Mm. I want to come back to relationships again later, but tell me how then you started to become aware of this, and how then you dealt with it. I suppose. Yeah, this is um. Not a difficult one, but uh, there's like there's two or three kind of areas. Number one, I came back to FPT and big shout out to Brian O'Loughlin, Movement 101. He's been an inspirational figure for, for me since I've met him, since since the day I met him, genuinely. He said to me this morning, he was like, I, I met him and he was like, oh, you, you just make me want to be better. And I was like, that's crazy. I don't know how, because all I've ever wanted to be when I've met you or seen you is better. You know what I mean? Like he's always been a, a phenomenal figure. Like I've told, I've told him some some really really deep stuff. I was able to really kind of open up to him, and I just really trusted him. But when I came back to FBT, obviously through lockdown, I just went on a, a, like an absolute drinking session, like full on session. Like spent spent my life savings, mm-hmm. um, and I came back to. I was not. I wasn't like sick of the job I was in, but I knew I wanted to do. Were my you? It, were you PCing before? Yes, I, yeah. I was working in a gym before. Yeah, um, it was like a kind of salary job, um, mm. and it was it was good. I really really enjoyed it, but ultimately it just wasn't. I wasn't like creating a vision, you know. Um, I wasn't creating anything for myself, and so just working for a wage, and yeah, it was you great. were just going in and yeah, feeding into fill, someone else, filling the hours and yeah. stuff, you know. So for me, I knew, like. I, I started to go into a dark place in, in lockdown. I won the last from FBT. Owen, again, another massive figure in my life. He just reached out to me. He was like, listen, I've seen you've not been active on social media, but you've been flat out for the last couple of months. Is everything okay? And I was like, no, I'm in a bit of a dark place. And again, at that time, I actually, I, I that was a time where I was kind of, again, worried about my dad, whether he was dead or not, because I wasn't sure. Um, So he, yeah, he just reached out to me and he was like, look, he goes, you know, we we can we can sort something out here like if you're not happy in your job or whatever he was like we'll see if there's a spot FPT for you if you ever wanted to come back you know he just opened the doors for me and I was like I love hearing of all these men reaching out yeah it's unbelievable like it's not often that we hear that now it is becoming obviously more common but it's not often that we hear that men reach out to each other yeah and kind of look after each other genuinely so grateful for them for them Mm. two them two uh, men but yeah, he, he reached out, he's like, the door's always open. And I kind of just started thinking to myself, I was like, what's the worst that happens? 
you know, because I used to work there. So it wasn't a case of I was going out self-employed. I had no idea what was what to expect. I still knew a few of the staff. So there was an element of safety there. There yeah. was an element of safety. There you was, were still in your comfort zone. Was, yeah, don't get me wrong. There was no comfort because I was going mm. back with fuck all money. Excuse mm. the language again. Um, but I really was going back with a, not a pot to piss in. All I had was, at the time, what I invested in Telos. When Brian just, I went to him for an, an ankle injury and he was like, look, we have this personal development program. He's like, do you want to jump in? I was like, yeah, no problem. So we, we I jumped into that and he just started to, I suppose, help me delve into the whole personal development and the whole self-awareness thing. So I started to just kind of take up a couple of the tools that he was using, like journaling and all that sort of stuff. Now, journaling has been, hands down, life-changing, like absolutely life-changing. I recommend it to everyone. I don't think anyone does it, but I do it, and mm. I know a few people who do. But explain to me what exactly it is for people, because I I think it's thrown around so much. I'm probably putting you on the spot now, no, <laughs> but I think it's thrown around so much. People are like, "Oh, I journal, I journal," but like, what what do you actually do when you're journaling? You ultimately get to know yourself better, mm. and if you think about it, and I know we're going to come back to relationships. Yeah. We spend our whole life getting to know our partner. And like, yeah, they could walk out on us at any moment of time. Like again, my mother walked out. The one person. So your partner could literally walk out any moment of time. And that's okay. But the only person that can never walk away from you or you can never walk away from is yourself. Mm. If you don't know yourself well enough, again, if there's unmet needs there, you'll meet them one way or another. And oftentimes, you'll try to find the quickest way to meet it. Because ultimately, we will, that unmet need becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. So you'll instantly just look for the quickest way. Yeah, Obviously like for me, we were alcohol, talking about sometimes self, instant, you self-sabotage. Yeah. yeah. Like for me, alcohol, it was an instant, an instant increase in, you know, we'll call it confidence, we'll call it happiness, we'll call mm. it courage, we'll call it all of this stuff. But alcohol is depressing. Yeah. It's called a spade a spade. It's, so why, I, it's why I stopped drinking as well. Yeah, it's why I cut down massively. Mm. It's why I cut down massively. And it's again, it's been life changing for me. Journaling is getting to know yourself better. But I, and I fully believe this. And <laughs> Dan will know this quote. If you can learn to read books, you'll become smart. But if you can learn to read yourself, you can become anything. I love that. Yeah. I've actually never heard that before. Really? Yeah. And I... I genuinely fully believe that. Mm. I really, really, really do. Because getting to know me has allowed me to build a better relationship with myself. The only reason we like self-sabotage or, you know, it's just because we're unaware of how we're acting in any given moment. Mm. We're not aware of the decisions we're making because, again, you make how many decisions a day? Yeah, millions. If eight, 80,000 mm. thoughts on average a day. And if you just continue to think the exact same, Again, you're just going to continue to believe the same things. You're going to take on the beliefs of other people. And ultimately, if you don't know what you're thinking, you can't change anything. So for me, journaling was an avenue to sit with my thoughts and like challenge them mm. and question them. So for years and years and years, I always believed I was just a failure until I actually just got it down on paper. And I was like, what makes me believe that? Like, what evidence have I got to you know, show that I'm a failure, that I that I always will be. And that allowed me to kind of, again, dig a little bit deeper and just ask better questions. Mm. You know what I mean? Because so, it's called a train of thought for a reason. Because mm -hmm. you'll have that, I'm a failure. But like 10 seconds, it's gone. You're thinking the next thing. 
So if you don't take time to maybe put it down on paper or say it to somebody or even jot it down, maybe if it's in your phone, I don't think that's a great place, but ultimately to sit on paper and put it there, you can actually stop it in its tracks. Mm -hmm. So it's like the train stopping at the thing and it might be like the train needs a service. You know, that thought needs a service and it needs more challenge and it needs better questions and it needs to be, it needs to be changed. So if you want to change it. So ultimately for, for me, journaling is, is just slowing down and getting to know yourself on a whole new level. Mm. Genuinely. It really is. It, it's actually crazy. I don't think, again, I think a lot of people have to kind of f do it to like believe it. Yeah. But there's a couple of people that will just That was a really it. great explanation though because I always find it really hard to explain how it helps to people. So do I until do just I mean? then. I swear <laughs> to God, that's the best explanation I've ever given. Yeah, because I always find it really, because people are like, why do you journal? And it's like, to get to know myself, but also so that I'm not thinking so many thoughts. And exactly. It, there are so many reasons, but it's so hard to explain it. So you do actually do that really well there to explain how it actually helps. Dead. Um. <laughs> that's the best. Like that is the best explanation I've ever given. Ever. Hands down. Um, so journaling was part of that. Journaling was huge. Mm. Journaling was absolutely, because look, as much as Brian could help me, as much as FBT could help me, as much as Owen could help me, there was only one person who could do it. The work, yeah. Yeah, me. Mm -hmm. Like, again, I, I only recently invested in a mentorship and the first thing he said to me is like, listen, I can, I can get you whatever you want. I can help you build whatever, whatever you want. You know what I mean? Like, but if you're not going to work, mm. forget it. There's no, exactly. point you, there's no point in you being here. Same for so, anything. The same for therapy. Yeah. And I've had my therapist, I don't go anymore now, but I used to go on a monthly basis and I've had her call me out before because she's like, you're asking me the same question that you asked me two weeks ago. Did yeah. you actually go and do the work that I told you to do? No. So why are you paying me 60 euros to see her again? Exactly. <laughs> do you know what I mean? 100%. Like, 100%. And it's like, that's, that's what he says. It's like, he was like, uh, there's a whole library of like education here for you. It was like, if you've got a question, you make sure you search it in the library first. Don't be lazy and just come straight to me. I'm like, mm. okay, that's a good point. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to look for this spoon for me. Yeah. You know, obviously that's what a lot of us want because we don't want to have to Because we want it to be easy as well. Exactly. Again, you know, the easiest route, but like, if I was to give you four words that changed my life, hard now, easy later. Mm. And there were four words that Brian O'Loughlin said to me when I started in Telos and it's a principle I live by now every day every single day because ultimately for the first 26 years of my life I took the easy route and it ended me it, if I ended up in a really really bad hole mm. you know and now I'm doing hard shit and somehow my life is getting it. not that it's getting easier but it's getting better yeah I mean like I'm growing I'm learning I'm, I'm developing and you know Nothing's easier necessarily, but it's definitely a hell of a lot better and I'm a hell of a lot more equipped, basically. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'm much more aware and I can deal with things a hell, a hell of a lot better, mm. you know? So take us back to when you started then in FBT and... So, like, in fairness, the first couple of months, I was still kind of on that path. Like, I remember I nearly got, I nearly got sacked. Um, so there was, yeah, I know. Um, there was a... a morning that where I didn't show up for a session and Owen the person who kind of you know got me back into FPT he was running the vault and I didn't show up for a vault and he was like what's the story he goes I put my neck on the line for you and he goes you've shown no respect you know what happened to you like and in fairness he was he was um 
what's that word I'm looking for? He was concerned at the start. He was mm. like, is everything okay? And then I was like, everything's fine. I was out on the piss. And then he was like, okay, now I'm pissed. Mm. Now <laughs> you know? disrespect me. Exactly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So he's like, you're literally throwing everything back in my face. And I was like, yeah, look, no problem. Da, 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 da. Done it again. And then I'd done it that morning, right? I told I told it briefly on Laura's podcast as well, but I done it that morning. And instead of like playing the victim, I decided to take ownership. So I was lying in my bed and I remember I got roasting off my nanny. It's like, you've never, you'd never change. you same old, same old story, all this sort of stuff. Coming in absolutely pissed, all this sort of stuff. And usually that would set off a massive trigger for me to go straight back to the pub. Genuinely, honest to God, there were so mm. many weekends where... And that was probably a trigger for her as well because exactly. she had had that with your dad. You exactly. know what I mean? So yeah. addiction with my dad. And she didn't want to see that for you. And then addiction with my dad. Well, and essentially then, she was raising yeah, the same thing. Exactly. And just didn't want to see it happen. But not that like she dealt with it in the wrong way, but again, just kind of like, uh, yeah, what, what's another word for chastised? Like, you know, just constantly gave out, like, yeah. do you know what I mean? And I was like... Well, the only way she knew how I Exactly, suppose. yeah. And I'm kind of thinking, now I'm thinking, that's not what I needed. Mm. I needed someone to open up to, I needed... Now, of course, that was there, uh, you know, Obviously, she would. It would have been fine if I had opened up to her, but, but again, you were triggered. I couldn't because one, I was triggered, but two, maybe there was a, a lack of trust there from mm. my man walking out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there was there was definitely like that. Was a, like I'm I'm very very glad to say now the relationship I have the relationship I have with my nanny is really really good. It wasn't good. It really wasn't. Um, and I upset her a lot. And if you listen, if you ever listen to this, nan, I'm sorry. I love you. Um. My heart. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'll never forget that morning. I was meant to meet Ash after the vault to train. Um, Ash is my nail partner. Uh, but I also had a client. Um, so I missed my client. Jesus Christ, that sounds so bad for my business. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at least I'm honest. And I haven't, exactly. missed, I haven't missed one since. Just to know that. <laughs> uh, no, listen, I'll put it all out there. I don't mind. Um, I missed the client. I missed the vault. And... It was like 11 But just to say as well, like you're human. So, and like, this is why it's so important as well for you to be telling this story because by telling it, like other people are listening and going, okay, he's human and he's not like this fucking amazing, well, you are now this amazing business person. But like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Everybody goes we've through. We've all been human. Everyone is human. We all, Everyone are, goes we all through are human, shit, like, but we've all had shit. I've been hanging out with water coolers and work as well. Like, yeah, you know, so. no, Absolutely. But uh, yeah, no, then I was obviously meant to meet Ash and I was like half an hour late for her. But I woke up and I was like in a panic. I was like, oh shit. I was like, oh my God. I was like, I've done it again. I'm gone. I was like, I'm completely gone. So I was like, right, if I'm gone, how am I going to handle this differently? What am I going to do differently? And I had been journaling for a couple of weeks at that stage and it had been working really, really well for me. Just even in a sense of like just practicing gratitude and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But then I kind of, I was, I literally, I remember when I came in, went nuts at me and then I, I, I laid in bed and I was like, no, I'm not going to pub this on. And I just broke down. I was like, well, what the fuck do you do? And I took out my little notebook and I just started kind of writing down. And I wrote down like the sequence of events of what had happened the night before, what people had said to me, how it made me feel, and then what emotions came up for me and how I reacted. And it was how I reacted to what people said to me that obviously brought out the people pleaser, brought out the head case and the mad cunt. Like I, I bought uh, 18... Uh, focus for la for last rounds that the night before. Jesus, 
Yeah. Was this for the like same night that you it. talked about on Laura's podcast? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that's that's a story that I really liked. If you that wouldn't was, mind telling it again, that was one. That, it was one of the biggest turning points in me actually creating a level of self awareness around what my triggers were. Mm. So. Uh, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. No, listen, you're all good. Um, again, I'm an open book. I'd like to think so. So I went to watch my football team play because I couldn't play. And my best friend plays with him and, and obviously still does. But basically, we'd all go back to the Boozer after. Um, and yeah, I, I, like, I would go back every now and again, but I wouldn't always go back because I knew how it would end. And this particular night then, he was like, listen, I'm going to go. I'm going to have one point and then I'm leaving. I was like, okay, that's fair enough. I'll go with you. I'm not going to have a point. No problem. So I went and funnily enough, I met my cousin there and I'll never forget. He said to me and I was like, this is when I kind of built a level of self-awareness. I was like, you arsehole. He was like, come on, have a point me. And I was like, no. And he was like, you're letting me down. And I was like, I'm not letting you down. Mm. What do you mean? I hate when people say that. I'd I'd only let myself down if I had that point because I don't want it. Yeah. I was like, you're letting yourself down because you already told yourself that I was going to have him with you just because you felt entitled to your cousin having a point with you. Mm. I was like, fuck off. Thankfully, he's probably not going to listen to this. That's a real Irish thing as well. It's I think, a massive it? Irish thing. It's crazy. It's it's uh, oh, it's nuts and it blows my mind. Look, don't get me wrong. With a few drinks in me, I can get like that. Mm. But I'll get to a point where they've said no two or three times and I'm like, okay, I actually respect that. Do you know People what I mean? get really uncomfortable as well. massively uncomfortable with you not drinking yeah yeah Um, yeah. because I haven't now I would have had the odd one like here and there but like even at my sister's wedding now I didn't drink and I haven't drank really in maybe two years Mm. Um, but people get really uncomfortable right they're they're like why I know suspicious they don't understand like no I was never an alcoholic well maybe by some people's standards yeah Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean Um, but no, I was never like an alcoholic or anything like that. But people get so uncomfortable. They're like, why did you have a problem? You know, um, or they suddenly become so self-aware that they're like, they're judging me. She's judging yeah. me because she's not drinking. Well, I'm the first drunk. question is always, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, antibiotics. But, <laughs> That's the only reason yeah, you don't drink. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you're kind of thinking like, is there something wrong with me or else? So I just not want to drink. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like people are like, what's wrong with you? And you're like, what do you mean? What's wrong with me? I just don't want to drink. I don't want to feel like shit in the morning. And I have stuff to do. I have responsibilities. Yeah. You know what I mean? So ultimately that was what happened that night. That was a, that was a big turning point for it all. And I decided to go to the pub with, with him and like three lads were having a bit of crack. And I was like four weeks out from photo shoot. None of the lads understood my goals. None of the lads understood what I was doing, why I was doing it. Didn't understand why I was getting, you know, shredded or whatever it was. So they were all kind of like, photo shoot, photo schmoot, you know what I mean? Like they didn't understand this. They just kind of started giving it a little bit of stick. And I was like, yeah, yeah, grand. They were like, yeah, give us 50 quid and I'll take it on my phone. have a good phone here, camera and all that. Like I was like, Jesus Christ, lads. I was like, you know. It sounds like school, yeah, doesn't it? Like, not, you know, again. Listen, I don't want validation off anyone. I don't want appreciation off mm-hmm. anyone. But like a little, oh, fair play, that's deadly. You know what I mean? Respect. Wouldn't, wouldn't go amiss. Respect yeah, just respect really, for your goals. Exactly. It? You don't have to understand it, but at least show a little bit of respect yeah. for it. But basically that was kind of what happened. And then, yeah, I remember they ended up getting an extra Guinness. And because I was feeling, it got to the stage where I started to feel uncomfortable. Because mm. they all had a few gargles in them. And they all started to throw the stick around. And it just a lot of stuff 
from teenage years came back up for me. Yeah, that's like, what I said. It's kind of like school. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I was like, I don't fit in here again. I'm not accepted. But I knew quite well. Every time I went back to the booze with all these lads and I had a few gargles, we all loved each other. Like, they all thought I was the funniest one mm. on the planet. Excuse the language. I'm sorry. Um, but they really did. They thought I was the funniest fella ever. They thought I was the soundest fella ever. They all loved me. Gone. There was, for a year, I didn't even play for the team. I just went to the pub with them. Mm. Um, but obviously then at this stage, I was playing. And they, yeah, basically, so basically, I just got really uncomfortable with the situation. They were all trying to stick. And I was like, look, I'll just have the extra one just to sell the nerves a little bit. And then I'll go home. Have the one. Had one and... You know, you're kind of messing. You're like, oh, that's lovely. Oh, that's gorgeous. And then you start building the story in your head. You're, that's gorgeous. That's lovely. Okay, maybe I might what have one more. It? What harm is one yeah. more? You know, and then I'll go home after that. So ultimately then, two, three in me, started to feel a little bit tipsy and I started to feel more comfortable. I started to feel more accepted. I started then becoming the joker. I started then becoming the funny you one. Were and in. They were loving it. I was loving it. And it was kind of like... Yeah, I'll be grand for work in the morning. But when I get going, <laughs> it's it's hard to stop me. I'm like a steam train. See, that's the thing with most of us, isn't it? And that was the thing with me. <laughs> yeah, now in fairness, come here, listen, I've gotten I've gotten better at it, definitely. Mm. Still not quite perfected the, you know, I'll have one and go home. Um, but I've gotten a lot better at it. Mm. But no, basically that was it. I just kind of started to fit in. And then lo and behold, as I said, then I actually met one of the lads from the gym that night. He knew one of the lads. We were all having a bit of crack. And I had obviously, he'd only kind of started in the gym. And I kind of wanted to impress a couple of lads. So I just went up to the bar without even telling anyone. I was like, here, give us an 18 vodka and whatever amount of things it was. And then after that, then we got takeaway as well. We got like cans. And like, we weren't even finished the vodka. Mm. so there was just a shitload of drink drinks were flowing and then yeah I woke up lo and behold next morning I was meant to be in for like 7 it was like I don't know whatever it was half 9, 10 o'clock you probably weren't long in bed either <laughs> yeah yeah it wasn't long in bed exactly um, all that shit had happened that I'd spoken about you know Owen had kind of texted me and he was just like he was like again and I was like okay I'm gone here I have to react different if I want a different outcome this time I need a different reaction and it was as simple as that because yeah. I had started journaling I had started to realize how I was acting and how I was behaving. And then I started to realize then, well, if I want a different result, I have to do something that I don't usually do. So I have to try and interrupt this pattern of just going back to the pub to avoid the problem. So it's like, okay, what happens if you face the problem? So again, I just sat down. I, I literally, I lay in my bed for about, I asked Ash to wait in Starbucks for me. I lay in my bed for about 20, 25 minutes, crying my eyes out journaling. And just a lot of shit came up for me. A lot of insecurities, a lot of like, a lot of what had been said the night before, again, had linked back to the lack of love, lack of connection, the lack of contribution from my mother. So, mm -hmm. so again, back to childhood. And again, this story about how I wasn't loved, how I wasn't connected, how there was no sense of connection there, how I wasn't uh, accepted, how I didn't fit in, and how just simply nobody loved me. You know what I mean? So again, what did I feel when I drank? I felt loved. So it was always revert back to your comfort zone because that's where that's where you feel safe. That's where you feel good. That's where you feel comfortable. Where your needs are getting met. That's where your needs are being mm. met. Exactly, yeah. And at that time, obviously, that was one of the only ways I was... Mm. I, I knew how to meet those needs. Yeah. But then I started to dig a little bit deeper on human needs. I started to dig a little bit deeper on our values, you know. And, you know, they don't really change for most people, to be honest. You know, the, the one human need that we all have is health. You know, and while I was pissing away my life, my money, my health, I had absolutely nothing and none of them. Do you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, that morning was definitely a turning point. That journaling, then I got a taxi 
to Starbucks Ash waited like a good hour and 15 minutes for me fair play to her we don't just going to say the same we don't even know each other a couple of weeks <laughs> I swear to God we don't even know I'd each other I'd be gone <laughs> yeah in fairness she was on this whole kind of self-development thing okay. as well so I was like look I was like just stay in Starbucks and we just have a quick chat and I remember there wasn't an empty seat in the place and we were sitting there and I was like am I really going to do this and then I was like yeah just that, do it that's a good challenge for yourself yeah, and I just, I burst out in tears. I was like, to her, I was like, I don't know. I was like, I have an idea of why I keep doing this and why I keep reacting the way I do and why I'm like this, but I also don't know. I was like, I don't know. I said, I need to handle this differently. I need to do something different. But I said to her, and I'll never forget the words, I says, this time I'm willing to take responsibility. This time I'm willing to do whatever needs to be done. So I had a good, obviously good chat with Owen again because he was like, look, last straw. He was like, you are gone. So for me, I was like, right, you probably won't go back to that job. You'll be fired from a self-employed job. How do you get fired from a self-employed <laughs> job? Like you're your you're own boss. I mean, mm. obviously I know there's, you know, contracts and all that sort of stuff. So of course you can be let go from the gym, but it's just, it's funny. Like, yeah, I'm self-employed. Well, I got sacked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? It just sounds funny. But ultimately he was just like, look, last straw. And but I, you would have, like, even if you, even if you were to do that in your business now, oh, it wouldn't survive. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'd so, still get sacked by your clients. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, ultimately that was a decision. And again, I said the same thing to him. I says, look, I says, I'm not going to fill you with the same shit that I did the last time. But, this time is going to be different. I says, I can promise and guarantee you that. I says, because I'm willing to react differently. So again, I just went off and I done more journaling and more journaling and more journaling. And I just decided to just shift my attitude. And again, those four words just keep coming back to me and they're just circling my head right now. Brian always said, hard now, easy later, hard now, easy later, hard now, easy later. Mm -hmm. And I realized, I was like, fuck. I was like, for the last like nine, 10, 10, 11, 12, 15 years, I've been doing what I thought was the hard thing, but I've been doing the really easy thing of just going and getting pissed, just going and avoiding your problems, just having fun, like having, we'll call it fun, but it's ultimately it's not because I was destroying my life and my future and my relationship. So it, it wasn't fun whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, and anyone that's listened to this, that is out every single weekend. It's not fucking fun. I'm sorry, but it's not. From, the, from a person who has been there, who has worn the t-shirt, like more than most in Dublin, it's not, it's genuinely not fun. Mm. It's really not. What I'm, what I'm doing now, so much more fun. And it's hard to see, you know, when it you're- It is. It's hard to see when you're in- When you're when on you, that side of the fence, yeah. it's so and hard to see. And when someone's sessioning every weekend, they're, they're just going to be like, nah, fuck off. Oh, 100%. You know, me oh, I'm for having the best years. time. Daily time. Me time in my life. Yeah, me for years. <laughs> I was just having a ball. Yeah. I was having a great time. But again, it's because the people that you're with, quote unquote, love you. Yeah. You're our best mate. Uh, like, ultimately, they don't mm. really give a shit. No. Um, yeah, that that was a lot of it. It was, it really came, it, it, a lot of it came down to journaling. I have to be really honest with that because that created so much self-awareness. Now, of course, I learned from a shitload of people. Mm. I learned from a lot of people like Brian, the lads in Telos and Fairness, they have been instrumental in just the tools that they gave me to create self-awareness. But they also... But again, they they gave you the tools, but I they didn't them. do the work for you. Yeah, I used them. No, absolutely. You, you can have all the tools in the world. Like, exactly. knowledge is in power. Mm. Knowledge is only power when applied. Exactly. You know, that's what I always say. That's why I always say to my clients. 
knowledge is literally only power when you apply it. Mm. Otherwise, you can have all the knowledge in the world. Consistency beats it all the time. Yeah, every so time. you Action. did you did the work, like. Yeah, and that that was yeah. Obviously, that was the big thing. It really was. It was just I was willing to actually face it this time. I was willing to take yeah, because what I what like and what I mean by that is like not to take away from Brian, but I just for anybody listening who's sitting there going, oh yeah, I need a coach and I need to just go to a coach. And, you can do it yourself. Yeah, you can do it yourself. Or it's hard. You can, you can go to a coach, but like you still have to put that work in. You don't just hand over the money. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, you don't just hand over the money and go, and oh, done. give me the tools, no. and then it's done. Nah, listen, I had to. Like there was there was some really really difficult stuff that I had to do, um, some crazy stuff. Mm. Honestly, some some stuff that people would be like, "You're you belong in a mental home." You know what I mean? But it bloody works. It bloody works. Like all, the inner child work and all that sort of stuff. Like it's so alien to people. But again, what are we all trying to just fulfill? Is that inner child in yeah. us? Uh, fun, our authenticity, our needs, all that sort of stuff. Because it all starts off as a child. Mm-hmm. And we all just are grown children, you know what I mean? With more responsibilities. And then again, as you said, we build stories, we build narratives for yeah. our life. We settle for the stories that other people tell us as well. You know, um, that that's a big one. That's a huge, huge one. Yeah, like you saying, I'm a failure, but how? why am I and how am I? Mm. And, you know, you, you never actually stopped to question until you started to journal. Yeah. You know, exactly. how will I always be a failure? How do I know that right now? Yeah, like, uh, can you read the future? Mm. If you can. Damn, am I going to buy a Ferrari? <laughs> I'd like to know if I can. <laughs> I am. But no, like, exactly. You know, yeah. you, you can start to rewrite your future any single time. Mm. You know, um, I remember, again, another coach just kind of saying, he was like, the pen is on the table. You just have to pick it up like the story for your life mm. you know and when I heard that I was like shit yeah I'm just writing that story every day through my actions I was like okay cool I can do whatever I want with that pen I can start to write whatever I want you know and it's crazy then when you start like taking certain actions and then certain things start happening and you're like whoa this is what I wanted my story to look like yeah it's you know what I mean so for, for, for me but then you, it's when you start seeing it working that you start to, it spurs you on to continue exactly like, like my biggest driver in life right now is my goddaughter Mm. biggest driver she is like everything to me and I'll never forget the time where I broke a promise to her and I and again it was because I was on the fucking piss mm. excuse the language I know I'm terrible for it um, but it was because I was in the piss because yeah. I was triggered because I decided to just go back out and I, I I vowed then when I built the self-awareness around like alcohol how it was destructive how it was destroying relationships and stuff like that I vowed to never break it again but ultimately as you like my big as you said my biggest driver is her and I wanted to write the story that she would look up to me as an inspiration. And la, two weeks ago, on my birthday, she told me she's going to run a marathon with me when she's older. <sighs> and she wrote, she wrote on my birthday card, she goes, hi Aaron, happy birthday. You are capable of everything. Oh. And I, because I got her a little key ring. Yeah. That said, I am capable. But I ran with it in my back pocket, in my shorts. I ran the marathon with it in my back pocket. And I literally, I, I thought of that. Mm. That little key ring and her for like majority of the marathon, when even when it got really, really, really difficult, it's, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Honestly, really, really was. I, I just continuously thought that. I'm capable, I'm capable. And then after the marathon, then she met me at the finish line and I gave it to her. I was like, you keep that. Oh, and then she wrote unreal. it on my card and I was like, that's... The way. that's but that's the that's what I wanted to write. Yeah. And through those actions of like pushing myself, stretching myself and her watching me do all these things that 
were uncomfortable, but like made me so proud and make her, made her so proud, crazy, an eight year old crying when she met me at the finish line, like mm. act, like crying. She was like, I'm so proud of you. I was like, do you not even know what that means? Do you know what I mean? Like, do you get me? And I was just like, wow. And I but was she like, does because you've shown her. Exactly. And when I, when I, honestly, when I read that card, I was like, this is exactly what I wanted. And when then she said that I'm going to run a marathon with you when I'm older. And she was like, we'll actually do it. With us. And I was like, yeah. But then <laughs> I was like, this is exactly what I wanted. I wanted to show her that you don't have to just accept someone else's story. You know, mm. so someone else could turn around and tell her, you can't do a marathon. Well, she could just turn around and say, what do you mean? My goddad did. Godfather. Yeah. My godfather did. Why, why, why can't I? I mean, so that, that's one of my biggest drivers as to why I'm doing marathons and all, like literally, like, I just, I just don't want to stop growing. Well, it's for you. But, it's for me. Yeah. But it's it's for me to rub off on others. Yeah, because you didn't have that. Yeah, exactly. As well. Exactly. I want to mm. get, I want to essentially allow her to, I suppose, see the story she can write for herself through my own actions. Mm. You know what I mean? Like this is, the, Jesus, that's what's possible when you work really hard. Jesus, that's what's possible when you don't listen to others who are settling for average. That's what's possible yeah. when you push yourself. That's what's possible when you build more self-awareness in journal. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But like, I want her to kind of think of that because ultimately, as we said before the podcast, there's a lot of people that just kind of settle for mediocrity. There's yeah. a lot of people that settle for average. And again, there's a lot of people that will adopt one, their own beliefs, but then the beliefs that others project on them. Mm. So if I don't believe I can do something, I'll more than likely tell you, you can't do it either. Yeah. And then you'll start And to society, like sometimes society puts ways of living on us as well. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Well, it's why there was, I think there was like 20,000 that ran the marathon, but if you yeah. compare that to the population. Mm. And I've said to so many people since, would you do a marathon? No, I'd never be able to. Yeah. If I could do it, what makes you any different? Mm. Yeah, it's mad. What makes you different? Mm. Like, I was an absolute disaster only two years ago. Like, could have never dreamed. Yeah, of and it's funny because it's when you when you talk about your journey, it sounds like it was so long ago. I was no, it's like. But then when we think about like say COVID, it was sixteen months, twelve. No, uh, last July, August was when I really started to change things. Yeah. So just over a year. Mm. December now. That's yeah. huge. Yeah, crazy, absolutely, huge. like absolutely insane. Honestly, it's it's unthinkable. Right now, to think where I was to, to where I am, and for a lot of people listening to this, and if there's anyone listening to this that is like currently on the sesh party and all that sort of stuff, it looks so far away. Like mm. it couldn't look further away. But like a year is nothing if you're going to be alive for the next 20, 25, 30, yeah. 40. It's absolutely. And you will not. never feel more alive. <laughs> exactly. And I can guarantee you right now, everyone listening to this podcast has said at one stage or another over the last two days oh, I can't believe it's December again yeah so they can't believe how quick that year is gone <laughs> I look so guilty <laughs> yeah you do but they can't believe how quick that year is gone but aren't willing to say I'll commit to myself for the next year mm. I'd love to end there because that's a really deadly note to end on but I really want to get into relationships um, because it was when I had already asked you to do the podcast and I think it was when I had already asked you to do it and or maybe it, it stemmed from there that I had asked you and I saw your post about your relationship and how it was almost your first date was almost like an interview Literally. and I actually loved it like because I don't think we do that enough when we like you're saying like we get into a relationship with someone and we pursue them but 
it's like we were like trying so hard to get to know this person and but not in a way where we're actually getting to know them to see if they'll be right for us. It's more like um how do I put it? I don't know, like like we're getting to know them but not really getting to know them. It's like mm. to see um, what we can almost give each other. Yeah, like not even what they can give to me, but what can I give to give them? Give to them, yeah. Absolutely. So I loved that when I heard that. Yeah, you guys was, sat down I, and just basically. I had put that interview. post up after you asked me because I remember you texted me. You're like, I want to touch on this. I was like, Yeah, oh, shit. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was it was an interview. She'll mm. tell you. She was like, "This fella is off his rocker," but it worked. Mm. It really did work. Why did you go into it like that? Because I'm curious, and my part of my thinking is, was it because? you were putting up a barrier and protecting yourself and you didn't want someone to walk out on you again or was it because you'd overcome all of these things and you were so sure of what you wanted? And Both. Yeah. Both. Definitely. It, it was 100% both. I'll tell you why. Because I got sick of, like, I got sick of chasing girls, to be honest. I got mm. sick of chasing women um, and just going for, like, a couple of dates and then nothing really coming of it. Um, but I, I, at the same time, I didn't really want anything to come for so I wanted the kind of best of both worlds, you know what I mean? We have a bit of fun, but it's not a relationship. Da, da, da. Yeah. And I kind of was just like, what are you doing here? Because I started to get very clear on what I wanted my life to look like. Yeah, I and get... I think that's what I meant when I was saying about, you know, we want so desperately to get to know someone, but it's like we're chasing, chasing, chasing rather than exactly. actually sitting down and going, well, actually, what can this, what value can this person bring to my life? Yeah. Yeah, and are they going to be, not are they going to be valuable because you don't want to just treat someone as an object, an object, yeah. but like, are they going to add to my life? Are they going to improve my life? Are they going to, are we going to grow together? Are we going to grow together? Do we have the same vision? Do we have the same values? Yeah. Because again, unmet needs. Mm. If this person has unmet needs, yeah, they're going to act. It's never going to work. They, yeah. They're, they're gonna they're gonna show you, but they're not gonna, even gonna know about it. Mm. And that's where a lot of relationships fall down because ultimately that's where my two relationships fell down was through unmet needs. Yeah, and me basically putting everyone else ahead of my relationship. Mm -hmm. But this time, this time I was just like, because again, I said this on Laura's podcast as well. I had been on a couple of dates with a couple of girls from FBT before. Ash, <laughs> she'll get me for that. No, she won't. She doesn't. She just. And this is the thing. She doesn't mind me saying all this. Yeah. And that's why we get on so well because it's just so open. You know what I mean? Like, we could literally be out and she, she'd see like me chatting to a girl, but she wouldn't assume any, anything. You know what I mean? And why would she? Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Only maybe true past experiences. True insecurity, true yeah. anxiety, true a story that she's built in her head. Exactly. About how they're chatting each other up mm -hmm. and he's like getting her number and all that sort of stuff. Again, it is, it comes back to like kind of the stories that we instantly think. And yeah. again, if you don't have the awareness to challenge those, you're just going to react straight mm -hmm. away. Like, you know. You've built a story and then you're going to react based on your, on your story. story. Not theirs. Not theirs. Exactly. Not what the person's yeah. actually doing. So no, I'd been on I got a couple of dates and stuff like that. And, you know, it was cool. It was a bit of crack. But then I met her and she just seemed like a really, really cool girl. And I was like, in all honesty, not that I don't remember exactly why I interviewed her. <laughs> I do, but I can't put one thing on it. I was kind of just like, I want to, I don't, I want to stop wasting time. Yeah. Basically, I want to stop wasting time with fluffy relationships that are going to fail. One, I didn't want to feel 
how I felt when my mother walked out or I didn't want to feel when my first relationship ended because honestly, it's the most heartbreaking feeling ever when it actually hit me two and a half years later because I ran from it for two and a half years. When it hit me, oh my God, like mm-hmm. unbelievable. I, 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 I And did that hit you when you started to do the journal and stuff like that? or A lot of it came back. Yeah. A lot of it came back, but listen, it was always there. Mm. It was always there because it was never going away. Oh, well, the, only, the, only time I went, the only time I went away was when I was absolutely pissed down my head. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. other than, and I was I was the type of person that would be busy from, I mean, six in the morning until nine at night until I, until I shut my eyes. I needed to be busy. I yeah, I was the same myself. and I said that on, on one of my most recent podcasts. The, the way that I grieved my, I was married, the way I grieved my marriage ending was to just fling myself into work. Yeah, fling yourself and into anything And I never dealt with can. it. I didn't grieve until until my last relationship, until that breakup, and I grieved both of them. Yeah. Jesus. Which is mad. Yeah, that's deep. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, look, look we, come here, we just sat down, right, and at, the, at this stage, I'd been on this, you kind of, like, self, started the real self-development journey, and even she said I was a weirdo, like, we were sitting there, I think it was, I was actually two hours late, um, I was it was I was two hours late to, oh, to the date or whatever. I know. Fair play to her. I know. I know. <laughs> she said she was literally about to text me and be like, "Here, we leave it." But I got there just <laughs> on time, so it was meant to be. But no, we went down. We were trying to find a coffee place, but obviously we were all closed because I was two hours late. But we ended up going to a uh, Tartan Larder, just in the village there. Great little spot. Love Deadly. that. Love yeah, that place it because it's where it ignited everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but even from the very, very get go, we sat there and straight away she was like, "He's a weirdo." Because I ordered a, de- <laughs> I ordered a decaf ca- coffee. She was like, "I'll have an americano," and obviously, you know, me with fitness and sleep you and all that sort caffeine. of stuff. I was just no, I had a ca- caffeine uh, cutoff point, and she had mm. no idea what that was. She's like, "This fella's head headcase," <laughs> and then like we just we, we were just sitting there. It was a little bit of small talk and all that sort of stuff. And I was kind of just like, I was literally, because I was starting to work on my kind of goals for life. Mm. I was starting to work on like my vision and I was just so interested. I was like, listen, I was like, what do you want there? You're like, what do you see in 20 years? <laughs> Straight in. <laughs> and she was just like, for anyone that can't see this, I'm just looking around. But honestly, she was just like, okay. But then. Because how do you answer that? You literally have to yeah. take a minute. Yeah, yeah. She took a minute, but then she was very clear. Mm. and I was like and I get inspired by other people's goals and that's because like I just I just think it's deadly when people know what they want I was like that's class go after it you mm. know and yeah but she was so she was very very clear and she knew kind of how she was going to get there and I just became really really interested because like I used to be interested in you know your designer where you got your designer jeans or whatever but it's, it's all bollocks like you know yeah. and that's that's one thing in fairness we set the bar way too high on the first day. <laughs> we do. Because yeah. we go out in the most expensive gear, done up to the annoyance. Yeah. And then when you're cuddled up on the sofa, women no makeup, men no Alexander McQueen top. But even no, if you don't get to the sofa, like yeah. you go out with these high expectations from someone else anyway, people are like, oh, I went and got my hair done. Got my Spend makeup a done. Few hundred spent quid. a few quid. Got all dolled up. For didn't date. show up, or you know, we didn't get on. Yeah, you're already setting the bar so Mental. high by like Jesus. Go for go for a walk. Do you exactly. know what I mean? Go for yeah, a yeah. coffee. Don't go spending like loads on yourself getting all dolled up. You might not even like them. Exactly, <laughs> and that's the thing. In fairness, Ash says it to me, and she'll she'll admit this. 
if we had went for drinks on our first day, would it, mm. it wouldn't have got to a second day. Yeah. She would have hated me. <laughs> she would have. She she tells me that now. She says, mm. you're, you're way too much of a head case. Mm. I would have gotten like triggered. I would have got like afraid and scared. She says, now you're a great crack. But she was like, she she would have basically well, just that thought you're a you session head. For you. Exactly. It's different. And it was it was probably a good time because we couldn't. Lockdown was only finishing, mm. but she was also on prep as well. So she could, and she was like on a meal plan and stuff. So she, we couldn't really go and have drinks. So our first eight weeks of dating was coffees and yeah. walks. But it, it's so much better to do that because ultimately alcohol, when you involve alcohol, although it's great in the moment, it's the present. It's like, and and that's the reality of it. So as much of a good time as you had, you're still down the dumps. Yeah. You're still dying still to death. Like shit after. You're still, your anxiety still heightens. Your energy's still really low. Yeah. So I think it's a pretty shit way to spend your first day. Mm. And it, it eventually, when we got on our first date, obviously we had a bit of crack and stuff like that. But yeah, the first eight, eight, eight weeks was, was just pure coffees. It was walks. It was all that sort of stuff. But now the first date was, yeah, it was all... What's your goals? What do you want from life? I asked her why she why she works at what she does now, why she wants to be what she wants to be, um, ultimately why she's passionate about it. You know, like I love that. Jesus though. Christ! I think we're about eight to ten weeks in, and I was like, "Do you want kids?" <laughs> <laughs> but I have to know. But it's such. I don't want to go question. ten years and then ask you if you want kids, and you turn around and say no, and I and do. And then it's complicated, and you love each other again. It's just getting back to. What do you value? Yeah. And like, where do you see yourself going? Because like, I don't know why talking about all that sort of, sort of stuff is so like... We, we, yeah, why does it right scare word, people? Why does it scare people? Because mm. ultimately it lets you know what that person wants. Exactly. And if you get to the point that you're six, seven years in and that person doesn't want, you want, want what you want and then... And do you really know them if you're six, seven years in and, exactly. and you're only talking about things like that then? Yeah. Even six, seven months is too yeah, long, exactly. I'd say. It's too long. So, like, what are you waiting for? Mm. Literally, what are you waiting for? And one of the scariest times in my life was, uh, I was like, oh, shit, myself when I was talking to girls. I needed, I needed, <laughs> I needed a few drinks. I think God. most people do. I needed a few drinks. I think that's another and Irish thing. I remember meeting her at uh, pavilions and it was a few weeks in. And I was like, where is this going? I'd really <laughs> love to know where I stand. But I was always so afraid to ask, just in case she told me she didn't want anything. So I was happy to kind of not know, but let it go in the direction of a relationship, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I knew, right. This you were coasting along, but you were yeah, hoping that it was yeah, going to go that way. this person is sticking around. So I just didn't want this answer of, sorry, it's not working out. Because again, that was something that was walking out of my the life. abandonment again. Abandonment yeah. again. You know, it, was, it just continuously. I remember sitting outside that pavilions and I was like, I need to ask you something. <laughs> she was like, Oh, shit yourself. But I couldn't, I couldn't get it out for about five minutes. I'm not even messing. I couldn't get it. I was like, I was like, um, like. Even I'm nervous now. Yeah. I was like, where do you see this going? Like, do you want anything from this? And she was like, that's mad. I was thinking the same thing. And I was like, oh my God, what a relief. Mm. I was like, but like, what? So what? what's the story here? I says, I had to ask that because ultimately we're six to eight weeks now kind of seeing each other. And I says, look, you know, I know we know each other's values and stuff like that, but 
ultimately I don't really want to waste too much time and I don't want to get that sense of abandonment. I don't want to, you know, I just don't want to go through all those feelings again. So I was like, I kind of just need, I really just want to get this stuff out that. of the way soon. So vulnerable. Yeah. and So vulnerable so early. Yeah. And, and I, that's what people are so scared of. Scared it's of. It's vulnerability. Yeah. But like, listen, I fully believe that you can turn your, not turn your vulnerabilities into strengths, but you can gain strength through vulnerability. Course, you yeah. know, um, like even, Again, there was another time where we were at the park where we went for a hot chocolate. And I was like, look, I have something to tell you. She's like, what? I was like, I have awful trust issues with, with women. I says, I'm willing to work on it. But if you want to walk here, that's fine. Mm. I says, I'll be really anxious if I see someone like in your photo. If I see anything going on, basically. I says, I'll start creating stories in my head. I says, now I'm willing to do the work to... On me, it's not something you need to do. It's not something. It's, but I'm making you aware. Yeah, it's not was... your fault. It's completely my responsibility because yeah. what has happened in my life. And I just told her a story about my ma, everything. She was like, fuck. She was like, I respect that so much. She was like, mm. look, if you're willing to do the work, do, do the work. She's like, let's make it work. Let's do it. So I was like, shit. And when you start to realize like that, this person is actually respecting me for opening up. It's huge. And we were speaking your truth. Yeah, because I was speaking. But also you were owning it. So you weren't putting it on her and going, oh, I'll this be. This is your fault. I'll be annoyed if someone likes your photo and it's your fault. Yeah. Like Do you know what I mean? Your social media. Yeah. You know what I mean? You were what? actually going to work on it. and But you were making her aware that it, it makes you feel uncomfortable. Exactly. Exactly. And she was just like, look, well, I'll do everything in my power to make you feel as comfortable as possible. Mm. You know, and, and in fairness, we were both, both said, look, look, if someone likes your photo, there's no neither, either, <laughs> neither party can do anything about it. And if I create a story, that's my fault. That's exactly. my responsibility. And that's something yeah. that I need to work on. Not her. Again, it's a story that you create in your own head about what's going on in their world mm. when really you haven't even seen their side of the world yet or understood their story. Mm. You know what I mean? So like everyone has, without a doubt, everyone has some sort of experience from their childhood that they've built a story around. You know, childhood, teenage, whatever it is. But yeah. We all have a story that we've built a story. We all have an experience that we've built a story around. And that has, that's, there's some sort of insecurity there. And again, you know, unless you're willing to do the work on it, it's it's, it's just going to, it, it just reoccurs. It's it's so hard to explain. Yeah, It'll just constantly show up. Because ultimately that problem is never going away. Mm. You can push it away. You can kick it away. You can run away from it as fast as you want. It's not going anywhere fast. It's not going anywhere at all. You know, in fact, I found it the hard way. It just gets bigger. I, 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 yeah, I went really, really bad after that relationship, bro. My for, when my first relationship f- finished, I was, I was, I was destructive beyond measure. I mm. genuinely mean that. Aaron, I think that's a really nice note to finish on. Do the work. Do the work. Nobody can do it for you. Mm. Thanks so much for that. Oh, thank you. I really, I really, really enjoyed that. It was deadly. And it was absolutely class. And it's, look, it's nice to be able to share mm. these experiences, these like stories. Yeah, like if it helps one person, happy bloody days. And it might. Hopefully. Thanks for joining me for episode 21. As always, if you joined this episode, don't forget to share it on social media, tagging at Dying for Life Podcast and Aaron at Aaron Horn Coaching. And for some extra love, don't forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is produced by Primal Productions. To get in touch, go to primal.ie or at primalpro on Instagram. Listener.